God is good to us, and we are grateful that we can sing of his goodness today. I want to invite you to have a seat. Puede sentarse. Cantamos de la bondad de nuestro Dios. Él es tan bueno con nosotros. Welcome. Welcome to each and every one of you. This is the early morning crowd. I'm so excited and proud of you this morning. Uh, proud of myself, actually. Here we are. <laughs> uh, buenos dias a todos. It's great to be with you. I hope you do feel welcome here. Whether uh, this is the first time here or you've been here many, many years, espero que sientan la bienvenida del Señor y de nosotros hoy. I want to just share with you about six weeks ago, we had an informational meeting after worship just to update you as a congregation. In case uh, you may not recall or don't know, we are in a process of praying and discerning our future as a church. Estamos discerniendo el futuro de esta iglesia. In particular, it has to do with the partners that we're going to be walking with in our mission and how we're going to go forward in that. We've been with a partner for 23 years called the Reformed Church in America, and we're at kind of a decision point. Do we continue in that direction or do we go in a different direction? Estamos discerniendo nuestro futuro con la iglesia reformada. Seguimos o vamos a otra dirección. After worship today, we're just going to bring you a brief informational update. It won't take long, I promise that. But we want to keep you informed. Our servant team leaders have been working. We want you to know a little bit of where we're at so that you can keep praying. We've been doing that for more than 40 days. So uh, we're gonna, after worship, we'll take about five minutes or so to just greet the people around you. And we invite you to stay. Come right back here, uh, or don't go far. Come right back here, and we will give you an update that I am estimating. It's a pastor's estimate, so you got to understand but I'm thinking 10 minutes, okay? It's not long. Yo calculo que vamos a tener unos 10 minutos juntos después del servicio. So I thank you for that, and it's all part of our desire as a leadership team to keep you in the know, to keep you informed of what's going on. So I see that we have a number of beautiful children here today, and we want to dismiss them to children in worship time. Los niños pueden ir al tiempo de niños en adoración ahora. That's for boys and girls uh, ages 3 to 5th grade. And they're going to have a time in God's word that I know will produce fruit because we're planting seeds into young hearts of the good news of Jesus. And so uh, we bless our children in that. And the rest of us are also going to be opening up our hearts in God's word this morning. Vamos a abrir el corazón a la palabra de Dios. As Jonathan said, we're in the middle of this track through the gospel of John. Estamos en una trayectoria de Juan, and today, as Jonathan said, we're covering chapters 12 and 13. So what I'd like to invite you to do is to have your Bibles open to John chapter 12, John chapter 13. Por favor, abran sus Biblias a Juan capítulo 12 y 13. Vamos a mirar unos versículos a continuación. In just a minute or two, I'm going to begin to refer to some of the verses in those two chapters, and we'll be walking through this together. So like many parents out there, my wife Mindy and I possess a very precious treasure in our lives. Mi esposa y yo, como muchos papás, tenemos un gran tesoro. And that treasure is our personal collection of home videos of our, of our sons. Tenemos una colección de videos de la familia. Now, when my wife and I were, were raising our two boys, Jason and Bryant, when they were young guys, we didn't have what parents have today. Parents, you, you're so blessed, you can just whip this thing out, right? And, and you can capture what's going on with your kids. Papas pueden usar celulares hoy. No teníamos eso. We didn't have that. 
But we did have one of those, you know, clunky old video cameras. Some of you older parents remember this. You know, we just kept that at hand, and we would use that for, you know, the typical stuff, birthdays and school programs and baseball games and other events. Usábamos la cámara de video para programas de la escuela cumpleaños y tal. And, you know, I look back on that now some years later, and I don't regret that a bit. I don't regret that we had to haul that thing around because now we have this collection. We have this, this treasured collection of memories. And at any point, as parents, we can sit down and, and we can relive those times. We can see our little boys in living color. It's just a real blessing. So if you're doing that as a parent, I get it. It's a great investment. En cualquier momento como papás podemos revivir esos recuerdos tan lindos en nuestros hijos en color vivo. Now, I'm sharing that with you because as we go through the Gospel of John, through this treasure that we have in God's Word, I think it's important that we, we recognize something. Hay que reconocer algo de este tesoro que es Juan. And it's this, that when the disciples were going through the, what they experienced during the time of Jesus, the Gospel writer John did not have a video camera, okay? He didn't have that ability. He didn't have a cell phone to, to just take out as Jesus was saying something or doing something. Juan no tenía una cámara de video, un celular para grabar lo que decía o hacía Jesús. The disciples didn't have a tape recorder. You know, say, oh, Jesus is going to say something important. Let's hit play here and listen to Jesus. They didn't have any of that, right? We know that, but sometimes we might forget. The fact is that John, what we have here as the Gospel of John, was something that John wrote some years after the fact. Juan escribió Juan mucho después. As he went through his own recollections of what Jesus said and did, and as he maybe talked to other eyewitnesses about what Jesus' earthly ministry uh, portrayed, he wrote those things down and, and he had to kind of remember those things very well. Juan tenía que recordar lo que hacía y decía Jesús y tenía el testimonio de otros. Now, he's not alone in that. All four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they're all written in similar fashion. Mateo, Marcos, Lucas y Juan son así. They're, they're written some years after the fact and they are reconstructions uh, of what happened, right? Son reconstrucciones de lo que pasó. Now, that's not bad. We need to understand that is really not a negative. That's a good thing. That's a bueno. Why? Well, for a couple of reasons. Uh, uh, first of all, we need to recognize that, that John and the other gospel writers, they lived in what is called an oral culture which means that people were used to telling the stories and remembering very well the events of their lives. Really, the video camera they had was their own memories, and they were good at it. They were really good at remembering things. En una cultura oral, ellos eran muy buenos para memorizar las cosas. I remember a day when I had half of the church phone numbers memorized because this thing didn't work. Now I struggle to remember my wife's phone number. Okay, so they were in that kind of a culture. The other reason it's not bad is that after the events that the disciples went through, they were able to go back 
years after the fact, they were able to look back on what they experienced and they were able to analyze and evaluate and understand the full significance of what was going on with Jesus way better than they probably did in the moment. Ellos podían después analizar y evaluar lo que hacía Jesús uh, y, y, y conocerlo mejor. And furthermore, they had another advantage that we cannot dismiss. They had the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit working within them, helping them to, to, to put down on paper the very words and memories that the Holy Spirit knew we needed in order to grow in our faith. El Espíritu Santo inspiraba y guiaba a los escritores para poner en papel estas palabras. So those are all the things that we can affirm. In fact, we find an example of what I'm talking about in John 12. Uh, vemos un ejemplo de eso en Juan 12. Beginning at verse 12, we read about what's called the triumphal entry. We read about this time when Jesus came into Jerusalem the week before his crucifixion, Jesús entra en Jerusalén antes de su crucifixión, and you probably remember the story. It's in most of the Gospels. I believe it's in all of them. It, it, it talks about how Jesus comes in and there's crowds lining the streets. They're waving palm branches. Hay una multitud con ramas de palmas. They're shouting, Hosanna to the King of Israel, Hosanna Rey de Israel, dicen, and Jesus is seated on a donkey. Now, here in John chapter 12, verse 14, G, uh, John describes all of this, and then he says, this is as it was written. Dice, tal fue escrito. And then he quotes something. He quotes a verse from the prophet Zechariah from centuries before, una, a, a prediction. Él cita una predicción de lo que pasó en Zacarías, and we find that quote in verse 15, está en versículo 15. This is from Zechariah chapter 9. Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. No temas, O hija de Sion. Mira, aquí viene tu rey montado sobre un burrito. Now here's the question. Do you think that at the moment Jesus was riding into Jerusalem, and John is right there with Jesus, Right? John's maybe walking beside the donkey. Juan está acompañando a Jesús con el burrito. Do you think that in that moment, as they're walking in and the crowds are going crazy, do you think John kind of, you know, gave an elbow to a disciple next to him and said, hey, look, Jesus is fulfilling Zechariah 9.9. Oh, of course, this is what's going on. Piensan que Juan dijo, bueno, Jesús está cumpliendo con Zacarías 9. You think that's what was going on with John? No, of course not. He didn't know that. He didn't think of that until later. Él no pensaba de eso hasta más tarde. What's the proof? Look at the next verse. Verse 16. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Al principio, sus discípulos no entendieron lo que sucedía. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Solo después de que Jesús fue glorificado se dieron cuenta de que se había cumplido en él lo que de él ya estaba escrito. So it, it wasn't until later that it dawned upon John through the help of the Holy Spirit, no doubt, oh, this is the connection, Zechariah. 
chapter 9, verse 9. And so as we go through chapter 13, chapter 12, mirando capítulo 12, 13, what we find in a number of key spots are places where John almost inserts some editorial comments to say, oh, this is what this was all about. Hay lugares donde Juan inserta comentarios editoriales para recordar lo que estaba pasando. Let me give you another example. It's at right at the beginning of chapter 12. Al comenzar capítulo 12. Here we find this amazing scene where Mary, the uh, sister of Lazarus, pours out expensive perfume upon Jesus' feet. María vierte perfume en los pies de Jesús. It's an act of love. It's an incredible act of generosity. It's un acto de generosidad y amor. It's a beautiful thing. And yet, in John 12, 5, the disciple Judas is not impressed. No está nada impresionado Judas, el discípulo. He asks a question. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Uh, dice uh, Judas, uh, ¿por qué no se vendió este perfume que vale muchísimo dinero para dárselo a los pobres? And then in verse 6, John says, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Dijo esto no porque se interesaron los pobres, sino porque era un ladrón. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Como tenía su carga, cargo, la bolsa del dinero, acostumbraba a robarse lo que estaba en ella. So here's the question. Again, I'll ask the same question. Do you think? You think at the moment Judas is complaining. In a momento que se queja Judas. Do you think John is off to the side nudging another disciple and saying, ah, that Judas, he's just complaining because he's always robbing from the money bag. Ese Judas siempre está robando de la bolsa de dinero. Do you think he said that in that moment? Probably not, right? It wasn't until later. It wasn't until after Judas betrayed Jesus and after all of those events, después que Judas traicionó a Jesús, then the disciples went back and John began to reconstruct some things and say, you know, I always had my eye out on that Judas. Come to think of it, you know, it seemed like we were always short of money in the money bag. What do you think was going on there? Ah, I bet you he was stealing. A lo mejor él estaba robando porque siempre nos faltaba dinero de la bolsa del dinero wasn't until afterwards that they understood. No comprendieron hasta que después. Let's go to one more. And this starts in chapter 12, verse 23. Jesus begins to talk about his upcoming death, that he's going to die. Jesús empieza a hablar de su muerte. And he, he doesn't say, I'm going to die. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. La hora ha llegado de que el Hijo del Hombre sea glorificado. And then he begins to talk in, in kind of parables. He says, I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, a seed falls into the ground and, and dies, it cannot rise up and produce more seeds. Un grano de, de trigo hasta no morir en la tierra no puede producir más semillas. He's talking about his death, isn't he? And then in verse 27, versículo 27, Jesus says, now my heart is, is troubled. Todo mi ser está angustiado. He's, he's facing the, uh, the pressure of this moment. And he's saying, no, Father, you know, I'm not going to try to get away from this. Glorify your name. Glorifica tu nombre, Padre. And then God, the Father, speaks in a thundering voice and says, yes, I'm going to glorify my name. 
through you. El Padre habla y truena y dice, voy a glorificar mi, mi nombre. And then in verse 32, Jesus says something powerful. He says, I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Dice, yo cuando sea levantado de la tierra, atraeré a todos a mí mismo. And then in verse 33, John says, he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Con esto daba Jesús a entender de qué manera iba a morir. Again, I'm going to ask that question. Do you think at that very moment when Jesus said, I'm going to be lifted up, now is the time for me to be glorified. Do you think that when he said that, there was John off in a corner nudging another disciple and saying, ha, you know what that is? That's, he's going to die on Friday. And he's going to die for the sins of the world. And, and he, when he talks about being lifted up and glorified, he's just talking about the cross. Piensa que cuando Jesús hablaba así de, de ser levantado, decía Juan en un rincón, pues está hablando del, de que va a morir el viernes. The answer is no. Of course not. At that moment, neither John nor any of the disciples really knew what was going on. And that's a theme we see not only in chapters 12 and 13, we're going to see that throughout the Gospel of John where the disciples go through things, they experience things, and yet they aren't fully aware of what is going on. En Juan los discípulos experimenta cosas pero no están conscientes. They're not aware until later. But there's something else that John also affirms. Even though the disciples don't know in the moment what's going on, Jesus is fully aware. Jesus understands what he's doing. He understands what's happening from beginning to end. Aunque los discípulos no comprendan, Jesús comprende todo el comienzo al fin. In fact, we see that again in chapter 13, verse 3. If you turn the page John, again, with an editorial comment, says something very powerful. Juan 13, 13, says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Sabía Jesús de que el Padre había puesto todas las cosas bajo su dominio, que había salido de Dios y a él volvía. And because Jesus knew that he had come from God and he was going back to God as they were in this room partaking of the Passover, what does Jesus do? In verse 4, John says, So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and began to wash the disciples' feet. Así que se levantó de la mesa, dice Juan. Y se quitó la, el manto y se ató una toalla a la cintura y empieza a lavar los pies a los discípulos. And John then describes this amazing act of love. Jesus knows he belongs in the highest place. He knows that he's going to go back to the highest place. Jesús es el lugar más alto. And yet, Jesus, understanding all of that, makes the conscious decision to go to the lowest place. He strips himself of his clothing and he takes the posture of a household slave to wash the disciples' feet. Jesús ocupó el lugar más bajo en la posición, postura de un esclavo de casa para lavar sus pies. Now, do you think the disciples know what he's doing? They don't. Los discípulos no saben qué hace. In fact, in John 13, verse 6, 
Jesus comes to Peter to wash his feet and Peter says to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Señor, me vas a lavar los pies a mí, le dice Pedro. And Jesus in John 13, 7, plainly says, you do not realize what I am now doing, but later you will understand. No entiendes lo que estoy haciendo ahora, responde Jesús, pero lo entenderás más tarde. And then Peter says, uh-uh, no way, you're not going to wash my feet. No me vas a lavar los pies a mí. And Jesus answers and says, unless I wash you, you can't have a part of me. You can't be connected to me. Si no te los lavo, no tendrás parte conmigo. Well, then Peter flips 180 degrees, right? Well, in that case, Jesus, wash my head, wash my hands, wash everything of me. I want to be a part of you. Entonces, lávame la cabeza, lo, la, las manos, todo. You see what Peter's doing? He's all over the map. He's all over the map. He does not get what's going on. No capta Pedro lo que está pasando. But Jesus is so kind and patient. In chapter 13, beginning in verse 12, he, he attempts to explain this to the disciples. Jesus explica a los discípulos. He finishes washing their feet, and then he says, Do you understand? What I've done for you. Dice, entienden lo que he hecho por ustedes. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Me llaman maestro y señor y dicen bien porque lo soy. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. Ahora que yo, el señor y maestro, les he lavado los pies, también ustedes deben lavarse los pies los unos a los otros. Here's the deal. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Les he puesto un ejemplo para que hagan lo mismo que yo he hecho con ustedes. I think here in these few verses what Jesus says here is key. It's key not only for them, it's key for us. Lo que dice Jesús aquí es algo clave. Even though the disciples do not understand Jesus, he is teaching them how to stand under him. Les está enseñando a estar bajo su liderazgo. The disciples don't understand, so Jesus is going to help them to stand under him. And here we have something very important. The disciples are learning something key about faith. Están aprendiendo algo de la fe. They're learning to have faith not by understanding or grasping with their minds. They're learning to have faith by submitting with their hearts and imitating Jesus with their hands. Están aprendiendo a tener la fe sometiéndose a Jesús con el corazón e imitándolo con las manos. They're learning to stand under Jesus. As king, as savior, as master, as Lord, Jesus understands it all. Jesús lo comprende todo, del comienzo al fin, como Señor. 
Jesus understands it all. We don't. Nosotros no. But you see, faith is not about understanding everything. Faith is not about understanding everything in the moment. La fe no es entender todo en el momento. Faith is about standing under Jesus at every moment and learning how to follow him, learning how to trust him, learning how to go with his example and to do what he says to do, even if we don't get it. La fe es estar bajo Jesús en el momento para seguir su ejemplo y obedecerlo. It's this simple thing called obedience. You obey, but you don't understand. That's faith. And that's what we need for much of life because here's the reality. I don't know if we think about it enough. I certainly don't. But the reality is that most of the time, we do not understand our lives in the moment. Most of the time, you don't understand the significance of what you're doing at the time you're doing it. No entiendes el significado de lo que haces en el momento. We don't understand the significance of what we say or what we decide. It's often only until later that we, we look back and we say, oh, yeah, that's what that was about. I didn't realize it at the time. Miramos atrás y entendemos. And that's the life we're called to live, a life of faith. It's a life where we don't understand everything at the time. And so when it comes to the mysteries of life, when it, when it comes to navigating life in our world, which is very uncertain and has all kinds of twists and turns to it, when it comes to, to living by faith, we really only have two options. Cuando se trata de navegar la vida en este mundo y sus misterios, hay dos opciones. The first option is an option that's very popular in our secular age, which is to say, I'm not going to believe until I understand it. No voy a creer hasta comprenderlo. I'm going to doubt until I understand, and then maybe I will believe. Voy a dudar primero y después si entiendo voy a creer. It leads with doubt. The way I'm going to navigate life is I'm going to doubt first. Now, I don't want to knock that 100%. I think that there are places in life where it's actually not a bad idea to doubt first. Hay lugares en la vida cuando sí podemos dudar primero. Modern science is built on that. Modern science is built on the fact that you doubt first and then verify later. La ciencia está construida en que dudas primero y averiguas después. I think that it might be a good idea before you throw yourself off a cliff in a wingsuit to understand how that wingsuit can defy gravity and get you to the ground. Doubting first is probably a good thing to do when you've got a wingsuit on. Cuando te tiras un precipicio en un traje de alas es mejor entender primero, dudar primero. Scientific method says, well, you doubt first and then you understand it before you go forward. That's not all bad, but that doesn't work with God. Because God is a person and God knows more than we know. Dios es una persona que sabe más. 
In fact, if you look at the Bible, most of the time what you find is that, that when it comes to God and when it comes to Jesus, if you lead with doubt, if you decide, I'm gonna doubt until I get proof, most of the time, you don't get more light on your path, you get less. It doesn't clarify things. La duda no nos ayuda. So we need to understand that when it comes to faith and when it comes to God, faith is not like throwing yourself off a cliff in a wingsuit. La fe no es tirarte del precipicio en un traje de alas. Faith in Jesus Christ is more like throwing yourself upon the one who has thrown himself off the cliff for you. La fe es depender del que se ha tirado el precipicio por ti. If I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. In other words, faith is about trusting in the person who was lifted up and threw himself off for you and me on the cross. We can trust Jesus. Why? Because he not only came down to wash our feet, he came down to wash our sins. Jesús vino a lavar nuestro pecado, no solo nuestros pies. And he says, trust me. About a thousand years ago, there was a, a Christian teacher by the name of Anselm. Hace mil años había un hombre Anselmo, San Anselmo. And he, he had something interesting to say. He said that the Christian life, the Christian life is about faith, Seeking understanding. Anselmo dijo, la vida cristiana es la fe en busca del entendimiento. What he meant by that is that as we, as we live the Christian life, we are called to trust Jesus first, believe first, and in the process, we will begin to understand. We seek to understand, but we believe first. Creemos primero y después entendemos. How many things happen in our lives that we don't understand at the moment? And faith is trusting in the moment that Jesus knows. It's putting our faith, our trust in the one who understands everything. I don't understand everything. Jesus does. No entiendo todo. Jesús sí lo comprende. It's about adjusting our lives and our, our perspective and our way to Jesus' way. Believing that he sees the whole picture where we don't. El ve el panorama de todo nosotros no. That's not easy, is it, folks? Peter had an especially hard time with that. Le costó a Pedro. Not only when Jesus washed his feet, but at the end of chapter 13, verse 36, 1336, Jesus says to Peter, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. A donde yo voy, dice Jesús, no puedes seguirme ahora, pero me seguirás más tarde. And Peter's question is, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. I'm ready to throw myself off the cliff for you, Jesus. ¿Por qué no puedo seguirte ahora? Por ti daré hasta la vida, dice Pedro. Peter doesn't understand, does he? Peter doesn't understand Jesus. 
But Peter doesn't even understand himself. See, that's the problem. Pedro ni comprende a Jesús ni a sí mismo. In verse 38, Jesus says, will you really lay down your life for me? Will you really jump off the cliff for me? I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will disown me. You'll deny me three times. ¿Tú darás la vida por mí? Pues de veras te aseguro que antes que cante el gallo me negarás tres veces. Jesus understood better than Peter did. Jesus understood Peter better than Peter did. Jesús comprendía a Pedro más que a Pedro a sí mismo. Jesus understands you and me better than we understand ourselves. Jesús nos comprende mejor que a nosotros a nosotros mismos. And, and faith is really learning how to stand under that truth. To stand under the truth that Jesus understands better. La fe es estar bajo la verdad que Jesús comprende mejor. Faith is about learning to stand under Jesus even when the road in front of you isn't clear. Uh, and we need that right now, don't we? Because frankly, our whole world is in a situation where we do not understand what's going on in this moment right now with what's going on in Ukraine, what's, what, what's happening with Russia, what's happening with our gas prices. I don't understand it. We don't know where this world is heading. Some say World War III. Some say it's the end of the world. We don't have the whole picture, do we? En Ucrania y, y, y lo que está pasando con, con la economía y la inflación y todo. No sabemos qué, qué está pasando. We don't understand this. But we do know who does understand. Jesus understands that. As a church, I said earlier, we're, we're in this process of trying to discern where we're heading in our future as, as Sunrise Community Church. We don't understand everything right now of where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do. No comprendemos como iglesia a donde ir. How do you navigate that? Maybe you're going through something personal right now where you're trying to, to, to understand where you have to go in your career. Maybe you're at a, a decision point with your job or your decision point with your education, maybe, a lo mejor estás en un punto de decisión con tu educación, tu trabajo, maybe, maybe uh, you're trying to, to figure out, maybe you're a young person, you're trying to figure out your whole future, what's my purpose, what's my calling, what's the will of God for my life, cuál es mi propósito, mi llamado, la voluntad del Señor, how do you navigate that stuff? What does living by faith look like? ¿Cómo es vivir por fe? Well, I think Jesus gives us something to go on here. As this, stand under me. Oh yeah, and wash each other's feet. Estar bajo mí, dice Jesús, y lávense los pies los unos a los otros. When we don't know what to do, I think you can't go wrong with that. Trust Jesus and humbly serve other people. If there's nothing else that we know at any moment, we can always do that. And when we do that, there's enough light around us because Jesus is in that. Trust Jesus and wash other people's feet. Confía en Jesús y sirvan a los demás. 
Sometimes in life, that's as much as I can do. I'm just gonna trust Jesus today and I'm gonna try to wash someone's feet. I wanna invite you to think about that this week as we're navigating this time in our world and in your life. How can I wash someone's feet this week? How can I serve another person? Get outside of myself and my own concern about what my life means and serve someone else. ¿Cómo puedo servir a otra persona? Our deacons and I have been thinking about this, and in fact, we think that as a church, this is a good time for us, not just to kind of look at our navel and say, well, what are we supposed to do? Maybe it's a good time to get out into the community. And so next month on April 10, we want to have a day, again, to love our neighbors. We're going to get ready for that in the next few weeks. Vamos a tener un domingo para amar a nuestro prójimo el 10 de abril. Uh, you've, if you've been a part of this before you know what a blessing it is, we simply work with Love in the Name of Christ, which is a ministry now located literally across the alley from us. And they have mattresses and other items for people in need, and we deliver that. But we don't just deliver the stuff, we get to deliver the love of Jesus Christ and love our neighbors. If we don't know what else to do as a church, we can do that. We can love our neighbors. Podemos amar a nuestro prójimo. We'll have a sign-up in the next few weeks. I want to invite you to consider that. So whatever it is, the will of God is often not something in the future. It's something right now. What's the will of God right now? I don't know the total will of God. I just know I got to trust Jesus, love people. Trust Jesus, love people. Tengo que amar a Jesús y a las personas. Confiar en Jesús y amar a las personas. Trust Jesus and love people. If we can do that, we may not understand everything. A lo mejor no comprendemos el todo, but, but by God's grace, we can withstand anything. Por la gracia de Dios podemos enfrentar todo. So let's pray to him together, shall we? Vamos a orar. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you know us so well. You see us uh, turning over in our beds in the watches of the night. You watch over us during the day as we drive our cars and as we work, as we relate to the people around us. You, you know everything about us. Nos conoces intimamente, Señor. But not only that, you know where this broken, messed up world is headed. And you know how it's going to be fixed because that's what you came to do by your death and resurrection. You have been glorified and you want to glorify your name again through our lives. May that be so. Tú quieres glorificar tu nombre por medio de nuestras vidas, Señor. Help us this week to have our eyes and ears open for how we can love the people around us. Humbly follow your example the example you gave us in that upper room. Jesus, we may not understand today until next year or the next year, but we can have you in this moment. And having you in this moment is more important than having all knowledge. Que tú estés con nosotros en ese momento es más importante que todo conocimiento. And so we just grab onto you, Jesus. And as we're grabbing onto you, help us to, to tenderly share your love with each other and with our world. 
que podamos aferrarnos a ti y compartir tu amor unos con otros y con el mundo. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Oramos en el nombre del Señor Jesús. And God's people say, Amen.